Welcome back to the SP Streamer Podcast. Doug Ishikawa here together again with my co-host, Mr. SP Streamer, the master of stream, and the man who created the $1 revised draft kit. It's Michael Simeon. Michael, what's happening? What's going on, Doug? I feel like every time you do an intro, you always make me laugh. <laughs> well, that's what I'm here to do, Michael. <laughs> I want to give you a little trivia time before this. Do you know where the Together Again song comes from? Me? No. Oh, I know we were talking before the show and you don't have kids yet, but it comes from the Muppets. So if I'm Kermit, <laughs> I guess that makes you Fozzie Bear, my friend. So we're very excited about that happening. Just getting that out of the way. Uh, today, rounding out our team is the lead voice from a trio of awesome podcasts, the In This League Pod Prospect One, as well as the Fantasy Black Book Show. He most recently was a guest on the Athletics Fantasy Baseball Podcast, dropping prospect knowledge to the masses. And he even took a little time from his busy day to hang out with us one morning, breaking down the San Diego Padres farm system for our On the Bump series. You can catch him on Twitter at is the is it the Welsh? Ah. Try, say, try saying that five times fast. <laughs> He's an official friend of the pod. It's Mr. Chris Welsh. Welcome back, Chris. And how are you doing? I love it. So if like we were doing Muppets, uh, Bogman, who is my cohort at in this league, we would be like the two old cranky men, the old guys that are like up in the rafters. They're <laughs> like, hey, shut up down there. <laughs> that's like, that's where we would be at this point, just heckling everybody from the rafters. But no, I'm glad to be back here. And I like it. The name, the name caught you a little bit. So that's good. It did. It did. Try, yeah. try doing that so many times. Uh, you know, I know. try having it. the name, try having people I, all the time. I, be like, like, what? It, the Welsh? The edge? I feel like what it's hard about? to trip up Doug too. He's pretty smooth. So yeah, that was a very, very smooth intro. It's one of the better intros I've heard in a long time. So I'm, it actually makes me feel okay that like we got you a little bit there because you were rocking that thing. Actually, we're just going to edit the whole thing. So, you know, Dang we'll it. figure it out. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, we've got a great, fantastic show today. We can't, I cannot wait to dive in, pick the brains of two of the best in the community as we will do a couple things. We'll get thoughts on a 60-game season. What should we expect in this wacky, wild sprint of a year? We'll also, you know, we have Welsh here today, so we have to touch upon the prospects, specifically who we think could get the call and what kind of impact they could have. We'll also talk about whether the shortened season negatively affects a prospect's development. And then we'll end on our crowd-pleasing favorite segment ever with, is it the Welsh facts? I got it out, guys. (laughs) Kudos kudos to me. Pat on the back. Let's get right into the show and discuss the shortened season before I screw up anymore. I'm curious to hear your guys' takes on the 60 games. What should fantasy players expect? What's what's the strategy out there that you are coming to a consensus to as we get closer to a season? I don't, I don't want to jump on Michael. I, I mean, oh, I want to hear Chris. I want to hear your thoughts first. I mean, I think the the first most important thing is it's like we just don't have an idea. Like, I think that's something we all need to like really come to terms with because yes, a everything could be normal. You know the the old guy strategy of just lots of pitching, play it safe, don't take risks in my roto, that could totally work and play out. And, and I mean, of all the years with kind of the craziness in front of us, it may pay off. On the other end of it, though, there is so much that is less predictable in 60 games than we've ever dealt with before. And that's where I'm kind of, I'm kind of like setting up shop a little bit in that territory. I just did a mock uh, I don't know when this is posting, so maybe it's within 24 hours. I did a mock with Pitcher List. Um, Nick Pollock and them, they did a live mock with uh, you know Eno and DVR, and we were all in it. And for some, it was kind of their f- 
first or second foray back into like, all right, we got 60 games. This is going to be the strategy. And uh, one of the first things I said when I went on with Nick, and this is something I've been touting on uh, the In This League podcast, is because there's so much I can't count on this year, and there are so many variables that are going to just be completely out of our control, I'm going to try to accumulate hardcore counting stat guys. So take, for instance, uh, Joey Gallo. Joey Gallo is a guy that in a roto format is, you know, oh my God, get him away. 220 average. I can't do this over an entire season. We also know Joey Gallo, he could rock a 270 batting average over 60 games. And you take his power with a 270 batting average, we're talking about a first round pick. We're in, in a roto format, not a points format. So I'm banking on some of these guys that have shown trends to be able to, you know, maintain um, outside of their norm type of stats. And I'm trying to accumulate. So in this mock that I did that people can check out, it's called the dream mock that uh, pitcher list put together. I ended up taking Pete Alonzo really high. I took him high because if you're going to, you know, count on a, a projected type of hitter that could lead in homers and that could at least be above a 270 batting average, which is I'm looking for. Pete Alonso, I took him in the second round. I took Joey Gallo, and I took a few players that could maybe balance out a little bit later, but Adalberto Mondesi, Pete Alonso, Joey Gallo, get me those high-end guys, and if I'm going to dip into pitching, I'm going to go the very, very top. I'm going to wait, and then I'm going to pay into the later middle rounds for closers and pitchers, and that's going to be my big base strategy. We call it the Ricky Bobby strategy. You ain't first or last this year. <laughs> so. That's funny. Uh, you know, um, your first point, I agree with. I feel like this is a year where we could all be wrong about literally everything. Um, we have no idea what to expect. Um, I'm like a little bit more of a hybrid, but lean more towards the safe side. I'm a little opposite of you, Chris. Um, I want to take the safer players because I feel like they'd be more consistent because kind of like what you're saying, yeah, Gallo could go nuts, but then he also could hit like 100. <laughs> yeah, and, and it totally you know goes I mean? on, it goes on the opposite <laughs> end. But what's yeah. hard is there's also those guys, Michael, that are like um builders throughout the season. Like Paul Goldschmidt's one of if you want to talk about safety yeah. at first base, that's Paul Goldschmidt. But he's one of those guys that it's like over the year, his he builds his value, not necessarily in short term guy short term. Zach Greinke would have been one of those guys. I almost feel like Starling Marte might be, and I'm comfortable playing it safe. And I think that is probably, you know, if if you want to Try to make sure you're counting your dollars the best way and you're just playing a standard roto format this year. Playing it safe, there, there's no harm in it. But I, I definitely think whether you go extreme or you go even in the middle line, you could take more chances this year that could have major payoffs. And this is just if we're talking like roto, because the another yeah. thing I've been talking a whole lot about, and I don't know where you guys are at, is how about try out some stuff this year? We're talking, we've gone through a million different strategies, whether we're talking all play from a head to if you want to actually play head to head, go all play. You could do uh, two matchups per week. We're talking about adding in DFS-based playoffs. There's triathlon stuff that DF DVR has talked about. So it's not all blanket statements with how to approach this year. It also becomes about what is it that you are going to approach for how you want to play. And I say you guys should have fun. If you play in two or three leagues, I try something different across the board and see if I might just stumble on something I want to do um, You know, long-term. Yeah, totally. I, I, I remember listening to... Um rates and barrels and you know kind of saying the same thing he was saying like you know how baseball kind of ruined the opportunity because they could have done some fun stuff this year because it's a shortened season you could have you know did some kind of crazy like tournament or kind of stuff like that and he was saying you know we should be doing that with our fancy teams as well you know yeah, why not like try out different yeah and, and just you know try out all these different strategies too and 
Um, you know, cause you never know what's going to work and it's a shortened season. So it's kind of a crapshoot. So you might as well just try some things and maybe something will work out that you could use in the future. Can I ask something? I, and I don't want to jump ahead if you weren't going to you know, go here. If you're already going to go here, then I'm totally stealing it. And that's totally my mantra because <laughs> I can't shut up because I'm talking all the time. But like, where are you guys at on pitching then? Because I feel like we just did the kind of like a blanket. You know, I kind of set the stage. I want to be a little Ricky Bobby, even though I did go as much as I, I'll play the field of have high category guys. I took in this mock uh, with pitcher list, I took Jacob DeGrom in the first round. I took him seven mm -hmm. overall. And then mm -hmm. I ended up taking... Uh, who the hell did I take? I took another pitcher really or Oh, I took Strasburg in the third round. So those aren't exactly extreme moves. Those are safe moves. But pitching is like the biggest, yeah. I feel like, um, uh, discrepancy between analysts right now where some you want the top end because we know innings are going to be really weird this year, while a lot of others, ASB streamer, hey, streaming, want to play really <laughs> late pitching and just don't want to have a high investment in pitching. Are you guys in that camp or do you think you need to play it safe and get your lockdown studs? I'm actually exactly, I, my thing is exactly what you said, where I want to grab, try and grab two aces early. Uh, just because you know that they're going to get their innings, you're not going to have to worry about them. And then I'm going to wait a really long time and then grab pitchers late. Uh, just because, again, we don't know who's going, um, you know, how deep. And I think later on, you could get guys who had high pitch counts last year and I don't, you know, who could end up going deep and you might as well take a shot on them. So, yeah, I'm with you. I, I like taking, you know, I'm going to be aiming to take some aces early and then I'm going to wait a long time before I start looking at pitchers again. Plus, yeah, I was, for, for I was me, I'm a little more comfortable taking pitchers late. Yeah, that's your wheelhouse. Go on, though. <laughs> no, I, you know, I was on the Open Bar podcast uh, a couple of days ago, and we were talking about, you know, a lot of analysts are saying that uh, some of the top end starters are, are going to go three to four innings. I don't think that that's going to be the case. Mm -hmm. I think when you have a Garrett Cole out of New York or you have a Jacob DeGrom out of the Mets, nobody's coming out there and taking the ball from those guys in the fourth inning. I just can't see it. Mm -hmm. So I want to be able to push up some of those, you know, those aces like you were talking about, Chris, and be able to make sure that my team is constructed with one of those guys that I can just, one of those horses that I can count on the entire time, especially if teams go with the six man rotation and that back end of the rotation is going to be kind of like, you know, in yeah. flux the entire year. I want to make sure that I get one or two, you know, dependable, you know, top tier arms that I can go out there and dominate those categories. So yeah, getting I, Strasburg I, and getting to Grom is a, is a great get for you. I yeah. think. Yeah, I agree. And, and that wasn't really my, I'm not quite that strategy when it comes to like a whole full, you know, 162 game normal season. I don't really like investing in pitching incredibly early, uh, but this just changed it, you know, and <laughs> I, I totally agree. I, I think, the whole idea that every single pitcher is going to go three innings in the first week. I, I just don't, I don't buy it. Like, okay, no. the Dodgers came out and said they're going to do that. All right, then guess what? We know Walker Bueller and Clayton Kershaw, they're not going to go super deep, but I think uh majority of the top end guys, I would be shocked if you took the top 15 fantasy pitchers, I'd be shocked if, I don't know, more than 25% of them didn't get an opportunity to go the full way. Like, obviously, they get blown up. Okay, you're mm -hmm. going to take them out and everything yeah. like that. But um, it, it, it's a little too much of a blanket statement right now with how people are treating pitching because I think it's it's a determination of, like, how the bullpens look as well. And I think it's more likely that teams are going to long-term piggyback starters than, and for more of a long-standing thing and go six-man rotation than it is that, like, Garrett Cole's only going to go three innings. You know, I took Lazard. I did the uh, DeGrom and then Strasburg round one and round three. Then I waited a long time. But in round nine, I took Lazardo. 
because I really like Lizardo. I think he's a top pitching prospect in all of baseball. He's one of the smartest dudes out there. I'm sorry, after Mackenzie Gore. And um, But I realize and I understand the risk that I think the A's could do something they did with Lizardo and Puck in the minor leagues, and they stacked those two when they were rehabbing mm-hmm. together. They did it twice. And really the key at that point is you just need the guy who's on the back end. You know, you're going to need the guy who comes in in the fourth inning and goes to uh, seven or eight if you're going to get the win. So I'm worried more about those stacks than I am even yeah. one start going later. And that's why the top end guys are just more assurance in a weird mm-hmm. season. Yeah. I like the way that you constructed your offensive side uh, of your team as well. It seems like you went for a little bit more sexy, a little bit more volatile um, guys that can me, put baby. up those counting. Yeah. Guys that can put up those <laughs> counting sets, you know, uh, I mean, you talked about it and touched upon it before it's a 60 game season. We're playing fantasy baseball. Hopefully the season gets it all the way through uh, let's have as much fun as we possibly can with it. And that kind of leads us into our next topic. You know, you're the prospect king, but how does this sort of season impact the top prospects? Chris, I heard you on the athletic podcast, and I got to say, listening to you and Beller and DVR go back and forth was an absolute massage to my eardrums. But in your opinion, <laughs> <laughs> in your opinion, who are a couple of players that you could see coming up this year to make their mark upon the fantasy world? We like those shiny new toys. Uh, we want those, you know, those sexy names out there. Who are some players out there that you have uh, on your radar that you want to draft? So I got a little list here. I did the, I call it uh, the no duh. There is the value, and then there is the risk reward guys. Because uh, there's a there's a thousand ways this can go, and I, and I found it really interesting too. Not to like go off topic, but. I'm really, really crazily intrigued to see how fantasy people, and I would love to get data from all the sites, how people start just losing their minds about players that are on the 60-man taxi squad because, you know, you see Hmm. Wanda Franco or Julio Rodriguez. I mean, I love Julio Rodriguez, and everybody who listens to me knows that. And I even tweeted about it. I was like, let's go, Julio Rodriguez. (laughs) He's not going to come up. And how much those lists are going to skew people with uh you know 16 team leagues and just bigger leagues you're going to see these names popping up like crazy and it really is i think important to decipher when you are balancing risk and the balance of your overall fantasy team the investment on these guys is super super important that you're you know going in the right area so like my no duh guys these are the ones that you know you guys have probably talked about everybody talks about and they know because they're no duh is dylan carlson obviously he's at the top dylan carlson power speed combo guy had a fantastic <laughs> spring before it was all taken away and legitimately is going to be given a shot to, he probably would have broken camp to be honest with you uh, with the Cardinals had all of this not gone down. So he's like, no duh, Nate Pearson, no duh, you know, seven days after they get their control uh, all locked in those blue Jays have got that seven days to sit in camp. He'll be up and that's a fantasy option. Um, you got Spencer Howard, who that is where all my investment is in that draft. I just did McKenzie Gore went in the 14th round, which was fine. I love McKenzie Gore, but I got Spencer Howard in like the 18th or 19th. And that's a guy that's way more assured of innings this year. And he's just a phenomenal, like high in command, three plus pitcher pounds, a strike zone going to get strike. I mean, he's going to be, I don't know. I think in two or three years, he, you know, he's a better fantasy option than Aaron Nola, to be honest with you. So I think Spencer Howard is the dude. And then uh, the other no duh is Evan White, which again, I don't even know mm-hmm. if I need to say that. Evan White starting first baseman with the Mariners, completely underrated first baseman that I think fantasy owners should pay attention to in deeper leagues. I had him in my top like 215 back in 
January. So I, I truly am a believer in the hit tool. So, and sorry, I'm going like long here. Cause you asked me, here's a couple and I've got all this crap here. Um, <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> the, the value guys, I'll try to be quicker. These are the guys that there isn't necessarily assurances in, but guys that I would be investing in. Uh, Joe Adele is one. And I don't know where people stand on Joe Adele overall, because there was a time where it's like, Hey, inside the top 200 and then not at all. They just came out yesterday or today, the Angels front office, and said they are going to allow Joe Adele to prove that he can significantly contribute to the Angels this summer. That's a You know what that tells me? That tells me once we're out of that window where we have an extra year of control on you, we are going to get you out there. And I talked with Adele in uh, in um, the Arizona Fall League. Just, you know, it feels like three years ago, but it was like, you know, five months ago. And that guy's ready. You know, he went through five levels in 2019. I've said this a million times. Five levels, three minor league stages, AFL, and then he played with Team USA. He was ready to probably contribute early last year if he hadn't got hurt. It set him back. He's an ultimate athlete, and I think he's going to contribute, and I'm snatching him up wherever I can because he's going post 250. Mm -hmm. uh, Alec Baum is another, and Jared Oliva, uh, who I think is just a super sneaky one with the Pirates, who's a power speed guy. So breath here because that was a lot of talking i've got <laughs> do you guys disagree with any of uh any of the yeah. value or no duh plays i could have thrown mckenzie gore in there he's a no duh type of guy that we're all drafting do you disagree or agree on any of the fronts on those guys or, or are you investing in any of those um so i mean I'm not like the biggest prospect guy. Um, on, I know, I know. I, I, I'm starting to get into them a little more, to be honest with you. I used to be really bad about it. Um, but no, I mean, all I hear is amazing things about Mackenzie Gore from literally everybody. As you should. Um, but I, I actually wanted to ask you, so there's been only a couple of drafts. And I know this is going to change, but I actually took a couple of prospects and their ADPs, and it was actually pretty much everyone you mentioned. I was curious to see your thoughts on if you think they should be going earlier or later. Okay, yeah, um, So let me start. So Dylan Carlson, Carlson right now, his ADP is 210. He's going before McCutcheon and Avisel Garcia. What do you think about that? Earlier. I would go earlier because also that's a point where, you know, what's the replacement value on a McCutcheon? I mean, I took McCutcheon. I shouldn't like crap on him. I love McCutcheon. And I took him in that picture list mock actually uh, a little bit later. But Carlson is one of those guys where in that range and once you get in that post 200, there's so much like is the replacement value of Carlson doesn't work out. Is it really going to harm me if I have right. to? Oh, I missed out on McCutcheon and now I got to go pick up whoever Trent Grisham. I love Trent Grisham. Yeah, that guy could outperform. <laughs> so I would say Carlson is a, uh, is a way above the 210, probably in like the 175 range you should consider. Okay. So now Nate Pearson, Mackenzie Gore and Spencer Howard are going 244, 245 and 247. They're going before Lucchese and Mitch Keller. Mm. Uh, so first question, who do you like out of those three young pitchers? I feel like I've asked a couple people this. And, uh, second question is, would you push any of them? Would you take any of them earlier? And if so, which ones? So are you asking me like for this year or long this year? Term? Yeah. Okay. This year. So the guy I want to own this year is Spencer Howard. That's the one I want. He is okay. the least sexy of all of them. Um, I, I personally love McKenzie Gore and I have, uh, luckily I can say this cause you know, 
it's not a guarantee, but I've seen all these guys in person pitch, luckily, uh, mm -hmm. across the board in different capacities. Uh, McKenzie Gore was like a pro debut. I followed him all at AZL and Nate Pearson and Spencer Howard are both here for the AFL. And Nate Pearson is like a fantasy dream. He's one of those guys that you absolutely dream on. But I just worry. I think Nate could be one of those guys that if the Blue Jays decide to piggyback, he's the perfect piggyback. Now, if he were like the fourth inning guy all day long, give me, yeah. give me a break. Give me give me a guy that's going to go three or four innings, probably strike out seven. It's going to be like old right. school, like Max Scherzer type of outing. So, and he could really throw too. Yeah, he did. Absolutely. Uh, Pete Alonso hit a, a 104 mile an hour homer off of him. So, I mean, Pearson threw 104 <laughs> in the fall stars game. Unfortunately, Alonso absolutely unloaded. It, <laughs> it was an amazing moment. Um, but, you know, I love Mackenzie Gore. I think he's the best stuff in my prospect ranks. He in, for fantasy, he is number one. There's no doubt about it. I just, I don't have a clear cut idea of yeah. when I know he will, but I don't know how much he'll contribute with the Padres and he's a piggyback guy. Spencer Howard, I truly feel is somebody that they could push. You know, they, they monitored him very, very hard last year, just like Adele. He's one of those guys that he had five levels, um, technically two GCLs moved up and then he played for team USA and the AFL as well. So Spencer Howard, I think goes up. I think Pearson and Gore, probably about that range, maybe a little bit higher, especially if you want to kind of play at it. And then mm -hmm. as far as like, against Keller and Lucchese. I'm not crazy on Lucchese. I know he added a pitch and I've, I've seen Keller and, you know, I, re I like him as like, a, um, as a, one of these hardcore, like command the strike zone type of pitchers. I don't particularly love his stuff outside of his curveball, and, but I love his command and I think he's going to maintain the zone really well, but he's with the pirates. So I would rather have Spencer <laughs> Howard definitely over Keller, but it, I might go like Howard Keller Pearson, Gore Lucchese. Like, that's probably okay. how I would rank it if I were okay. ranking for this. Yeah, season. I was going to ask you if you would take any of them over Keller. Okay, yeah. cool. And then you just mentioned Joe Adele. He's when it is around 273, um, going before Domingo Santana, Hilliard, and Pollock. Um, but you already said you'd take him earlier. So, yeah, I would, and I did. I took him not that much earlier, but I don't know. I feel like he's a dude that people want to take around 200. And when he falls around 240, just why not? Uh, especially yeah. if you get him as a bench. You know, this the draft I just did was a three outfielder, which is a little bit different. So five outfielder, it is hard to justify if you're really set to, uh, you know, especially if you're in a 15 team, that kind of skews some of the ADP too if you're trying to fill out roster spots. But I don't know. I feel, um, I'm feeling more confident than I have in quite a while that Adele is going to get some time. And you take in, I don't know, you know, Trout, sitting out for the first two weeks for his child. Maybe Adele gets that opportunity. Yeah. I'm just, you know, I could speculate on it. Is Brian Goodwin really going to hold him back if this team is in um, competition? I don't know. I don't know, man. I, I would, I think Joe Adele is one of those guys. He's, um, you know, I talked to him, like he doesn't seem too keen on being a hardcore stolen base guy. So I know like if you don't, if he's not Luis Robert and he can't be a 30, 30 guy, people kind of scoff at it, but he hits the ball damn hard. He's going to hit homers. He's super smart. He's the only guy. The entire AFL. I ask guys, uh, I've been doing this for about three years. I ask guys about hitting, the keys to hitting, um, how to hit a home run, how they want to attack the ball. I got so many cookie cutter answers in the AFL this past year. It was unbelievable. Nice guys, great guys. Uh, Josh Lowe with the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, just list goes on. Um, but Joe Dell was the he was the last guy I interviewed, and he gave me just the most like hardcore, like not trying to soften, you know, I'm like, Hey, you try to hit homers and all the guys are like, no, you know, I'm trying, trying to hit doubles, trying to make <laughs> good contact. Adele's like, he's like, I don't need to. He's like, I know 
how the ball is going to come off my bat. And he's like, I'm not aiming for, you know, the right center wall. He's like, I am trying to get the ball in a specific place because I know I can knock it out of here. And I just, I love the guy's attitude uh, and his work ethic. And I think he's going to be a star once he's there. Just a question was like, you know, when would the angels let him compete? And I think now under 60 games with a lot of questions, they have even their own outfield. I think it's possible that it yeah. happens. Yeah. Real quick side note, uh, where, what's the earliest you would take trout this year? Um, so, uh, I would take, well, the two, okay. So the two week thing through throws a little bit of a wrinkle into all of this. And I found that out today. And I don't know when that came out If it came out earlier today because, um, I did a mock draft podcast, which is coming out on Thursday for ITL, uh, which we video Bogman and I, and I did this picture list one Mm -hmm. and I had the first pick in my ITL one. And I didn't know about the trout news. But trout. I didn't take Trout, but I didn't oh, take Trout. Okay. I took Yelich because Yelich is my guy in a 60-game season. You take all the factors of like what you want in Trout and what you want in Acuna. Think about both their risks, and Christian Yelich comes up. He just rises. He just rises up, yeah. and he's the, he's the player that I think, um, you know, from batting average, counting stats, power, speed, he just involves all of it. Then in the mock I did, Trout went five, and everyone yeah. was like, what is happening That's here? I think that's where he's been going. I think um, I would I, I don't know how well I would sleep if I was at three and Trout was there and I didn't take him. That would be really yeah. rough on me. I might go five, though. I, I could see myself going five. But I think if push came to shove, if the three of us were in a draft and Doug took Acuna, Michael, you took Yelich and I'm sitting there. I don't know. <laughs> I might still take Trout, but two weeks is like it's like a quarter it's a lot of the season. Of, it's a lot a of time. Season, yeah. Yep. I, I think he does have to fall if he really is going to miss that time as that develops. I'm curious, who were the other four players that went in front of Trout in that mock? Okay, so it went. Um, let me look here. I got it right here. So Yelich went one to Bobby Sylvester. Uh, Chris Towers took Acuna. Yancey Eaton took Cody Bellinger which mm. I think was a big uh, shock. And then Jason Collette took Garrett Cole. And then it went Trout, mm. Mookie Betts, and that's where I took DeGrom at seven. So yeah, it was pretty wild. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. And then just a la- last thing, uh, since the prospect thing, I mm-hmm. my third category I added were like the risk-reward type of guys that people, there, there's a couple that people are going to be really tempted at. And there's a couple that just might be worth it. So obviously Franco is at the top of the list of temptation. I just don't think it's worth it, but you know what? I would not be shocked if um, if he were the guy. And I've asked multiple mm-hmm. people before the season started. I said, because me and uh, James Anderson from RotoWire, you know, he does a lot of pods with me on Prospect One, and we have debated uh, Julio Rodriguez as far as you know. He's like my favorite. Julio's my guy, but I don't believe he could come up this year. And James said, "No, I think he comes up at the end of the year." So I started asking people who would come up first wander or Julio. And it was without question. Um, wander won that by wow. leaps and bounds to say that Julio was not, was not ready and the team would not push him even close. So like wanders a possibility and everyone, when you're in like the three fifties and you hate everyone's face and you look at all these players and you're like, that guy sucks. That's stupid. And then you see wander <laughs> Franco and you're like, Oh boy. Oh, don't, I just don't do it. It's not, it's not <laughs> worth it because unless you have an MI spot, I, there's no reason to do it. Um, yeah. Alex Kirloff is someone I would watch if an injury happens in Minnesota. I think he's an amazing bat and he is a future 35, 100, 100, uh, 290 type player at first or outfield. Doesn't matter, but he's going to take an injury in Minnesota. Uh, Scooball, 
I think is the first pitching uh, a pitcher out of Detroit that actually gets an opportunity before Mize and Manning. If people mm-hmm. are curious about that, and then I threw out Jared Kelnick and Christian Pache as players that they're absolute dart throws. But um, you know, you got a really really big one, really big league, four or five hundred players. There's a chance. There's definitely a chance. And if they came up, throw that fab on it. If you didn't have them, what what is your uh, opinion on Magical and Kibum? Uh, well, Magical's, I, I love Magical. Nick is, uh, he's a, he's one of the nicest dudes too. And it's funny because like I'm six foot four. So, you know, I go out to these backfields. I'm out here in Arizona. People don't know. And, um, you know, all 14, 15 teams or whatever out here. And I caught Nick when he first signed, uh, after being drafted out of uh, Oregon state and he was out here and Nick is like, he's like five foot, like five and like me standing really? he's not really he's like five foot seven or eight and like we look we look ridiculous we look like that you know that cover of um what's that arnold schwarzenegger and danny devito movie what is twins. that one twins yeah yeah the, there you go twins yeah they really did a that, movie together yeah, that's how we look that's how we look when we're standing and but he's like bulked up over time and he keeps getting bigger and he makes incredible contact yeah i that's a i'm glad you brought him up that's a freaking absolute must for me to try to get nick madrigal because obp on base Mm -hmm. runs um i think he's gonna sneak into some power he can steal bases he's an absolute table setter and he's in a break camp apparently with the white Sox. so give him an opportunity and put him up if you had nick madrigal hitting one or two in that ridiculous lineup with robert and abreu and all of those dudes amount of runs give me a break i would be all about him who's the other guy kibu Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I love, uh, I love the bat. Um, he's just streaky and, uh, you know what, actually I'm going to, I hate to be the person. Cause I don't like when people do it when every person, someone asks, Hey, do you like this guy? And everyone's like, yeah, I love that guy. I don't want to be that. I like Keyboom. I don't like him for this year. I won't do it because okay. he's a super streaky. Once he catches mm. onto his streak, the guy can hit for fantastic contact. He's 25 plus Homer high average. Like I think he's a great number two hitter. But he also can slump like nobody's business. So I think he's a dude who can 190 it for the first month oh, yeah. and then can 380 it the second month. So I'm just I'm gonna pass on him for this year. Magic all though, yes. Chris, my favorite take from that entire analysis that you just gave <laughs> that was, huge rant where I would shut up. <laughs> oh, I loved every minute of it, but my favorite part is you comparing yourself to Arnold Schwarzenegger. That is <laughs> to stay with me for some time. Get down, get down. Because <laughs> now I have to go and watch the movie when I'm done with this, and I'm gonna look at it and I'm gonna say, There's Chris Welsh. Yeah, well, <laughs> the same thing can be said about me and Bogman. Bogman's like five foot eight, too. So <laughs> like the same thing. We're more we're both more round, so it works out. <laughs> hey everyone, Doug Ishikawa here, your host for the SP Streamer Pod. We're super stoked to be collaborating with Rotorballer this 2020 season with the SP Streamer Pod joining the Rotorballer Radio Podcast Network. Since 2013, Rotorballer has been grinding away providing millions of fantasy baseball players their fix for in-depth MLB analysis and player news. If you haven't heard, Rotorballer's 2020 MLB Draft Kit is live, and all SP Streamer listeners can get 10% off Rotorballer's Draft Kit by using the discount code SPSTREAMER. Rotorballer is also home to number one Fantasy Pro's accuracy ranker, Nick Mariano. Nick's 2020 rankings and projections are available as part of the Rotorballer Draft Kit, along with printable cheat sheets, draft sleepers and busts, and more than 300 2020 player outlooks. 
Tons of in-season tools and all of this fantasy baseball goodness from Rotorballer is available for 10% off with the discount code SPSTREAMER. Just go to rotorballer.com backslash SPSTREAMER and get your draft kit today. Let's flip the script and discuss like the downside of a shortened season. So for those that won't get called up this year and are perhaps a year or two away from the show, does this whole season just absolutely ruin their player development? Are there any prospects that you would say that are just totally negatively impacted by this shortened season there? So this, yeah, this has been the big question I've gotten a lot and I've really been, I've been, <laughs> I've been working it out on podcasts as much as I can. And, and I need to, um, one thing, I, the only thing I haven't done yet is there's a couple of important people I really want to talk to that are, because I don't, by the way, I don't claim to be a scout or anything like that. I just, you know, whatever my eye is and I get to go out there a lot and I have a perspective of analysis that works sometimes. Sometimes it doesn't, you know, I've hit on prospects and I've absolutely missed on them, but I definitely don't, you know, there are really, really smart people that take it very, very seriously. And I just have a different approach to it. So there are some people I want to talk to that are real, real scouts that I have relationships with to get their take on it. But in the conversations that I had, there's kind of been a, a consensus that, you know, most people don't think there's too much of an overall impact. And I think the 60 team, the 60 team is really telling now that we know about it. I did a podcast on prospect one with Chris blessing where we started to kind of, this is before the announcement where we were starting to break down, like, what does this taxi squad really look like? Is this more of an instructs team? And then guess what it is, you know, cause you're mm -hmm. seeing 17 year old kids being added to the taxi squad that have no chance. Robert Poisson with the Oakland A's, who was one of the top international prospects. He's got no chance. Noel V Marte with the Mariners, no chance. Those guys are not going to play this year, but what it shows is it shows teams concern with development to make sure whether they are international, low A, double, triple, to make sure that they're having high competitive games in so they're not losing something. So then back to the question, who are the guys? Because I thought, okay, maybe the triple A players, mm, that's kind of washy, you know. They've already kind of gone through the process. You don't take too much away from them. Could it be the guys that just signed internationally? Mm. I've been out here watching instruction rookie level for four or five years now. And I got to tell you, there's not a ton of coaching. They, they don't, they let these mm -hmm. guys go. It, it's just about reps. So am I worried about a guy, you know, that just signed or was just going to come overseas like Noelvi Marte. If people are familiar, if you play in deeper dynasties with the Mariners, he's kind of the next big thing. Am I really worried about him? I'm not because, you know, he's had very little development. So you're just pushing it back a little bit. That's not really, you know, he hasn't gotten into the big work. So I don't think you're taking anything away from him. Where I am worried is I'm worried about that low A to high A player. The guy that, you know, they, they spent a year and I have an example of it and I've used it. So forgive anybody that's been listening to stuff I do, but like there's the dudes that have gone to, you know, AZL instructs level, then they've gone to the A level. And then that's a good point where you start to make adjustments. You get hardcore coaching. You're in camps. You know, you've got a year and a half to two years under your belt. And then maybe you make a big physical adjustment. So my example, Christian Robinson with the Diamondbacks, who uh, I'm a Diamondbacks fan. And I've been following him since he came stateside. And he's a great dude. And a uh, really cool perspective is I did an interview with him like two years ago. And you can hear him talk and how passionate he is about like yeah. shutting everybody up. And, and like, this is the guy yeah. I'm going to be. But I'm worried about him. He just dropped about 20 to 25 pounds 
coming into this last March, completely transformed the player that he is completely. I mean, we're talking big, bulky, maybe first base type of guy. He looks like a skinny center field with future power type of player. He looks like a new person. But what I'm worried about is what takes and what transformations were taking place in his body and as a player with this new body. What was what was happening there? And how were the Diamondbacks going to curate that? You know, he's he's trying to be a different hitter. He's trying to be a more contact hitter. He's trying to run more. He's trying to work on his defense. And now his body's different. And guess what? Now he's not added to the 60 game. You know, the 60-team the taxi squad. He yeah. actually <laughs> is a guy that's stuck here because he can't go to the Bahamas. He's out here in Phoenix, and he can do light training workouts over at Salt River Fields. So what does that do to him? You know, if you took away his power, which was something he could rely on as a hitter, and he's now this smaller guy that's just kind of readjusting, and there's no competition, mm. I do worry about that a little bit. And I don't know, is are the Diamondbacks not going to pay him so he can go play independent ball, which is another thing baseball announced. If teams don't pay these guys, they can go and play independent, competitive independent ball. I would really like that from him. So in a nutshell, it's kind of those like transformational low A to high A in that spectrum of player that is, uh, or even the guys like a Lewin Diaz for the Mariner or the Marlins who had ended up kind of transforming his body as well. Like those are the guys I want to be curated and I want attention to be given to them. So I don't understand why the Diamondbacks are doing that to Christian Robinson, but they're smart people. Maybe they're not worried about it. Maybe his development is so low down the level that the concern is um, just, you know, minuscule and the players that need it, they're the ones on the taxi squad. So maybe the taxi squad guys are the guys you should be least worried about because they are going to be competitively playing baseball for all of 2020. Mm -hmm. I like that take. Huh? Let's leave the negativity in the rear view mirror because <laughs> as a rule, and Michael loves this, we have to finish by giving the people what they want. You know, we're, we're, not just, we're not just here to spew analytics and players and strategies. We're here to peel back that Wizard of Oz curtain and introduce you to the real Chris Welsh. Oh, so no. time. I don't want to meet him. <laughs> but we do. So oh, no. we already know that he likes comparing himself to Arnold Schwarzenegger. But oh. now it's the time for is it the Welsh spec? So, Michael, do you mm -hmm. want to lead us off with this as we get to know who Chris really is? Yes. I'm starting off the question that we ask everybody. What is your greatest personal sports achievement? Ooh, my great. So I definitely don't have a lot of great. Okay. I got, I got one that always stands out. The minute you asked me the question, this stood out to me. So, uh, and this isn't a good moment. Like I don't have great ones, but there was this, um, when I was in college, there was this like teachers versus, it was really like the football players, baseball game going on. And, a friend of mine was in the game and I, they needed another person and I jumped into the game and I'm, you know, I'm a big guy and I, I waver between skinny and a problem. That's usually <laughs> like my life. So I don't remember what moment this was, but it was in the problem level where like, and, and you know, this, when you do things that people don't expect, you're like, Oh, that's how I look. And that's, that's what I get a lot. So like I, in the example is, so I'm out in the outfield and this, this just, just ball just shoom, coming out and the shortstop tries to get it and i come out of nowhere and make this like jumping diving catch and then like people are amazed because you're just like a fat mess so it's like, <laughs> amazing catch so then so i've kind of got that on my belt so then i get up to the plate 
And my best friend who was in front of me at the time, he hits his ball out into the outfield and he gets to third. And then, so I get up and I absolutely crush this ball to left field. And, uh, and I'm churning first, turning second. The outfielder still hasn't gone. So I'm going. And remember the perception of how everybody sees me. <laughs> so I'm coming around third and I'm going home. And I don't even remember what the person was doing. If they were saying, stop, they're like, look at you, stop. And I'm just like, I keep going. And the ball comes in. It's a perfect slide into home. Catcher gets the ball over here. I slide in an absolutely perfect slide, though I smacked my face and bloodied my face up because, you know, me. <laughs> totally and I it. get under it, and every football player, every person is like, this is an amazing <laughs> moment because, again, that's how I look. So that would be that. Uh, that would probably – that's the actual moment. But the other fun one, by the way, was I took BP at the Diamondbacks Stadium for media. And, again, that was multiple moments of, like, this guy looks how he is and – uh he can do something. I have so. to say, I think that's the best one we've heard so far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's uh, the accomplishments although, are here. Although and there. Alex Fast said he like hit his dad with a baseball or something, and I forget what it was. Yeah, it knocked him out. Yeah, that was pretty funny. Too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a special feeling like it's cool doing something, but when you do something that gets other people riled up. Like, yeah. like, I mean, it was like that meme where the dude's like this and everyone's just rolling around him laughing. Like it was that type of hype excitement that I did this. So, you know, taking away being insulted, obviously because of them not thinking I could do that. <laughs> it's just great to get people hyped up like that. High fives around. I'm bloody. It doesn't matter. So that was, that stands out to me. That's funny. That's awesome. Um, who, I don't even know where to go from here. Yeah. That was so great. <laughs> You mentioned a lot of prospects. You mentioned a lot of people that you've interviewed and that you've met, you know, through the years that you've been doing this. But who would you say, if you had to nail it down, is your all-time favorite prospect that you've ever, you know, talked to, been around, watched before, and then, um, you know, and why? Oh, man. So, okay, so this is like from a personal level or just because there's a couple answers here of like, you know, guys that I have just loved being around and had interviews of. Um, I really love Taylor Trammell, um, who's with the Padres now, with the Reds. He was like super down to earth and um, we had a really good conversation. And, you know, it was like after, again, it was, it was almost like the baseball moment. He kind of had this, he's like, who are you again? Like after we did the interview, he's like, what was your name again? And he was like, oh, great. You know, like we had this like great conversation, a moment. And since then, uh, Taylor like recognizes me now. So like when he was with the Reds and I'd be back there and he's like, hey, and you know, we, we chatted up. Um, so that stands out to me for sure is one of the guys I really like. Um, I had a, uh, as far as someone I saw that has stood out to me as a prospect, um, there's a couple like Mackenzie Gore, when I got to see him, that was like just a crazy moment. And, and he's kind of been my baseline of um, evaluating prospects. As far as like, are they Mackenzie Gore level? That tells me something about like the eliteness of them. Hmm. So that was one uh, in person. I've had a couple moments where like I've seen a guy and I've tweeted about him or talked about him. And then he kind of blew up. Mikel Baez with the Padres. I was at his stateside debut and he was striking dudes out left and right. Luis Patino was another one. I'd never even heard of him. And I'm like, who the hell is this kid? And then that was the year he blew up. And uh, the last one I can think of, you're just making me think of interviews. This is the most fun interview, was John Duplantier with the Arizona Diamondbacks. And it was yeah. on the field of the Fall Stars uh, game. And 
John had just opened up some packs of Bowman with one of the Bowman guys. And he comes on uh, and, and we start talking and I asked him, I'm like, what were you doing? And he's like, oh, I got, I uh, just opened some packs. And he's like, I actually just made a trade. And he's like, I traded my Ronald Acuna Bowman card. And he's like, I traded that. And he got like, I mean, no offense. He just got like a bunch of dudes. And he's like, cause they're my friends. And he's like, these are guys are my friends. And he made this trade. <laughs> and then in the interview as well, um, he started just like chirping at Kevin Biggio. And he, and in the interview, you can hear it. He's like, Hey, Biggio, Kevin, he's like, I'm coming for you. And they were like chirping. So that was like, like a really cool, just weird, you know, moment that happened in there. And I actually saw uh, him later at the hotel and, uh, you know, pounded it out and said, what's up and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, there's a couple that stand out to me. That's pretty cool. All right. Next question is, uh, what was it like being on a podcast with DVR as the host? Oh, wait, DVR? <laughs> that sucked. No, it was great. I love DVR. DVR is the best. I, that guy, uh, he's one of the best in the industry, man. DVR, his, um, he, he's got our back. He's always taking care of Bogman and I. Uh, he's been on with us for a long time. We get to spend time with him at the AFL, which is going to be so sad if uh, it doesn't happen this year. Mm -hmm. um, you know, have some drinks, have some food. DVR is a fantastic host. His, you know, he's got the voice of God. You know, yes. we always joke when he comes on, we're just like, will you narrate my life? You know, <laughs> Seriously. Like so, he's, a pro, he's a pro's pro, man. He's a DVR. He's like amazing. top five in the industry for sure. And he's just like even nicer guy than the perception, you know, yeah. that he hmm. gives off, which he gives no negative. Perception. Right. Yeah. Like, like I have qualities that can be unlikable. DVR <laughs> doesn't have qualities that are unlikable. So he's the best. <laughs> and you don't have to lie on this next question because Michael and I, our feelings aren't going to get hurt by anything that you say here <laughs> next. But what would you say your favorite podcast that you've ever been on, you know, been a guest on? What, what's been the best one that you've been on and, and, well, and give us a good reason why you don't have to say us. It's totally fine. Mike. I'm no, no, no. I mean, I really liked on the bump with, uh, Coach Ish. Really, really, really oh, favorite. there you go. There you I, go. That was one of my, favorites. I, actually, I'm going to be honest with you. It was one of my favorites. Cause it was like seven minutes. So yeah, it was amazing. Quick. Yep. It was amazing. Best, uh, favorite podcast that I was on. Um, you know, I, when, when Spore had, uh, Bogman and I on, I've been on a sleeper on the bus a couple times. That's a big deal, you know, cause like yeah. Bog <laughs> Bogman and I, we've just been around this for a long time. So, you know, we have beat people down by just people knowing us and, um, you know, we're, we're just different. We're a different style of uh, fantasy. We're very entertainment based. I'm a radio guy. So I want to incorporate a lot of these different things in it, but you know, we're not necessarily, we're not like a, a stalwart, you know, in the industry or something like that. So, you know, when you get on sleeper in the bust, it's a big deal. You know, it's absolutely yeah. a big deal. And, and spores, a, he's become a dear friend. He's actually, you know, funny story of like, you know, industry people in the baseball side. He's the first person that we were like, we got like introduced to that knew us and listened to us. And we were like, what? Like I, I hmm. it, it, spore knows it. I was talking about the angels prospects from a long time ago. And we're like, who are those? who are those damn angels prospects that were going to be so good and everyone can't stand and they turned horrible. And I was like, Brandon Wood, and I was trying to think of another. And then we couldn't think of it on the podcast. And then Spore tweets at us. And this is like five years ago. And he's like, Dallas McPherson. And I was like, hold, I'm like, that's it. And then I'm like, wait, Spore, <laughs> you how, do, yeah, how did you know you listen? So since then, 
we've just become great friends. We text, we complain, we have all the stuff. We spend time <laughs> at the, in the AFL and I, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm really honored anytime anyone thinks about anything, but like, you know, sleeper on the bus. Cause we also did like two and a half hours, I think as well. So that one wow. stands out. That's a big deal. Any, anybody would want to be on, uh, on Paul's show. Yeah, I feel like, yeah, that's like everybody's dream, essentially, because I feel like it's been, you know, one of the best podcasts for a long time and uh, everybody listens to it, basically. So, yeah, exactly. But I, I truly do mean like I, I I told this to a couple of people recently because I've just had like a little bit of an influx of doing some interviews. I'm honored anytime because I don't have a. I don't have like a really good clear picture of my place in the fantasy baseball industry. Like I definitely know I'm seen for prospects and stuff like that, but I don't have a yeah. great gauge. And I think a lot of people struggle with that and, and, and have a, a problem with that of understanding where do I fit in the industry and what mm -hmm. is my perception while not realizing that, you know, there's probably hundreds or handfuls at least of people that are just like, wow, I would love to be in that situation. You know, same thing yeah. goes for you two guys, you know, the same thing where, I mean, I'm trying to speak for you. You may not know your place in the industry or feel a certain way about where you are, whether it's good or bad and not realizing the amount of people that look up to you and, and will eventually be like, Oh, I just want to be like Doug. And I want to have a brand like Michael, you know, like mm -hmm. they're going to feel that way. So I have the exact same thing, regardless of me doing this for five, six, whatever years. And, you know, Bogman and I building a, a Patreon, which is hard to do. But like anytime anybody thinks of me, I'm like super honored. I'm like, wow, that's cool. They thought I would be interesting to have on their show and talk and maybe we can have some fun and maybe some people yeah. like what I say. So I like legitly, not dumbly, even though that's not a word, uh, I love being on podcasts and I love when people think of me. So like this is, you know, this is a great time. I love Coach-ish and I like sleep on the bus. <laughs> Oh, thank you. You know, we only do the, the the on the bump series because Michael once said to me, he's like, what's something that you can do? Because people don't really want to hang out with you for two yeah, hours. Right. And I'm like, well, let's just do it for like eight to ten minutes and then we'll get the heck out of there. Uh, well, maybe, maybe like that. next maybe next season you can go to like 15 minutes. Or yeah, yeah we'll, we'll think about that. I yeah. think 11 to 12 might be just fine. But, you know, we'll see how we get. There. But yeah, I, I appreciate you for that. <laughs> so we got one more question left for you all right uh who is i mean you can name more than one person but who are some of your favorite guests that you've ever had on your podcast Ooh, favorite guests um i mean i, I would first say like i always love my friends you know the guys that have become my friends so like um football but uh, on our football podcast jake seeley he also obviously does baseball jake is uh i mean i do become like a brother of ours i absolutely love him and he's one of those people that like you know, wherever he's working, he might try to tell them like, Hey, those in this league guys, you know, so he's always got our back, uh, DVR spore. And the reason I would say them first and foremost, because like they'll come on with me in Bogman and they'll have fun and they yeah. know entertainment and they know how to push and they'll push, push my button, push Bogman's <laughs> button, uh, bring stuff back at us. I'm not saying like interviews can be bad, but I don't know. Like when I have somebody on and it's just like, I ask a question and then they just answer it. And then we just keep going and going. Yeah, like, it's, it's fine, but I don't know. You lose something sometimes. So I, I love having fun. I like having fun on podcasts and I like people busting balls and I like people dropping really good stuff <laughs> or disagreeing. I just like entertainment. So I get that from my friends when they come on. So I really always want to hone in on those, but I don't know. Like Nando is somebody, uh, Nando Defino, if people know Nando, mm -hmm. 
he's you know one of the best in the industry and i we had this really funny interview one time where nando came on our football podcast and he was standing next to keith bullock and if people if you're not football, you don't know, but know, Keith Bullock yeah. is a linebacker for the Titans and he just handed the phone to Keith and Keith was on our podcast. So all of a sudden we That's got awesome. Nando and Keith Bullock and that was like a really, <laughs> that was like a uniquely cool, cool yeah. thing. Uh, I really enjoyed and um, I don't know, you know, that that's the easiest way I could say overall in this league stuff. My prospect show is, it's so different. You know, it's so, so different. It's a completely different atmosphere. And I'm a kind of a different person on there sometimes. And pro I don't know. I don't actually enjoy interviewing prospects a whole lot because it's very rigid and they're sometimes nervous and sometimes they're teenagers. Yeah. You know, I interviewed yeah. George Valera, um, who's, a you know, at the time was like an 18 year old top prospect with the Indians. And he's in the Dominican Republic at a camp on a payphone in his Dominican <laughs> Republic camp. And he's an 18 year old. And it was just like, it was weird. And I yeah. felt weird about it. And I personally felt weird. And so I don't usually feel comfortable with like, you know, super um, professional interviews. I just feel off and nervous until it's done. So anything that I feel comfortable with is I'm just like, let's do this. This is the gotcha. best. Yeah. yeah. That's funny. That makes yeah. sense. Chris, I, I, I knew you, I knew you were going to do a great job, but you are now off the question. <laughs> hot. <laughs> okay yeah good good i didn't talk a whole you lot get through it. yeah <laughs> that was good that was good stuff guys this was an absolute blast say uh you know we're gonna put a wrap on it like uh we've alluded to before everything that we do for sp streamers a little bit quicker uh but that's gonna do it for today's episode of the sp streamer fantasy baseball podcast chris once again thanks so much for joining us remind people where they can connect with you again yeah, thank you so much for having me. Seriously, I love it. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at is it the Welsh, and that, that'll get you everywhere. Uh, if you go to inthisleague.com, all it's going to do is take you to our Patreon. We just pound out the stuff. Uh, lots of baseball stuff, lots of prospect, lots of football, lots of entertainment. So if it's your thing, that's cool. You can check it out. And all of my podcasts, if you just have a whatever podcast app you use, um, iHeart, Spotify, Google Podcasts, whatever, just search in this league. Or you know, if you care about the prospect stuff, search prospect one and uh, check it out. But you know, Twitter handle will get you, I'll, I'll tweet out all the stuff so you can get it all there. Michael, a pleasure as always, my friend. Congratulations on the beer, bourbon and baseball. Please make sure to both get Chris and I a sticker and a t-shirt from Mike Curlin. That <laughs> we you know, yes. I am I am a bourbon guy, Mike. I don't know if you know this. And uh, I used to have, I have a bad, you could probably, well, I don't know if this is video or audio for people, but behind me, where was my finger? Which direction would I go? This way. <laughs> I've got all these like, yeah, I, mean, I got all these like autograph stuff and I collect stuff. But before all that, I would collect bourbons. And I had this really not healthy collection of money that was tied <laughs> to bourbon. So I've pulled it down, <laughs> but I did. I was just on a camping trip um, or a cabin trip. And before we went up, I stopped and I found I had never had this before. I had a uh, whistle pig, the six year version. It's called piggyback. And I love whistle pig, but they're crazy. Just my first whistle pig bottle. Did I'm you? Which to... one did you buy? Uh, it's upstairs. I don't have ah, it down come here. On. All right. So I, don't well, remember. I would know what it is by the price. I could tell you that. But uh, it was it was not expensive. It was maybe 50 ish. I think you got piggyback. I think that's the one you got because. Yeah, because Whistle Pig is uh, it's incredibly smooth. It's amazing. And um, there's a lot of price levels. This happened to be one that's more of a consumer cheap six year rye. And I had it this weekend and it is phenomenal, phenomenal. So I am going to watch 
your uh, beer, bourbon, and baseball podcast, and I'm going to drink a little bit, and hopefully I can come on sometime and I'll drink some whistle pick as well. Oh, definitely. I mean, I, we have a list. I, I'd have to look and see if you're on it, but I'm definitely going to add you if uh, you are not on it. As long as we're drinking. As long as we're oh, drinking. we're always drinking. <laughs> Thanks for coming on, can- though, Chris. Really appreciate it, man. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You guys can keep the bourbon. I just want the sticker. That's all I want. That's, you know, <laughs> that, would, that would make me happy. Get me a glass. Get me a T-shirt. Get me some gear, Michael. Hit up uh, Chris and myself with that. You can package it off as soon as we're done here. But for everybody else, <laughs> right up thanks there. again for listening. We'll be back with another episode with our On the Bump series very soon. In the meantime, check out SBStreamer.com for everything fantasy baseball. You know, Michael revised and updated with the help of Mike Curlin from the Bases Loaded Pot, his draft kit for the 60-game season. It's only a dollar. It's an absolute steal. It's way cheaper than the bottle of bourbon that Chris and, and Michael were just talking about. <laughs> oh, yeah. Make sure that you go purchase one today. And as always, if you enjoy this podcast on a platform that allows you to share and review us, we would be totally and greatly appreciated. For Chris Welsh and Michael Simeone, I'm Doug Ishikawa. Take care, stay safe, and we will see you soon.